All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. It is kind of funny, though. I, I, I love how we had a, a game in which Oklahoma dominated, and yet on the show today it's kind of funny how concerns over the punt return, a couple muffed punts, then a fight over. Not, I mean, not a literal fight, but just, hey, so was the punt truly muffed before the penalty? I, I, who was it that said, I had a great view of it. I'm sitting right there. You probably did. Uh, I'm not doubting Larry from Union City. He said, I had the perfect angle on it. Yeah, he muffed it. I, my point was, Larry, maybe that's why they're officials, because if he was able to see that and that's why they didn't call the block in the back right into him, then those officials are much better than they showed on Saturday. <laughs> uh, so, so that's been a fun conversation today, the fight in the end zone and seeing the first guy there was eight, standing up for his team. The crowd. It's just it's kind of wild how you have this game and – you know, it, it ends up being a lot of things that, I don't know, maybe I didn't think would be big topics on the show today. J- Jackson Arnold and him not coming in, right, and, and going with Davis Bevel instead. Someone said, I was sitting right behind on the on the text line. I think it was Clint. Someone's texting us. I was sitting right behind Jackson's parents, and they said, there's no way he's coming in. Which, again, I'll just, from my view, the way I was watching him warm up, I he could fool me. I thought he was coming in. He had the head, he had the helmet on. He he was like adjusting the wristbands. Davis Bevel, I mean, he looked like me over there throwing football. He just he didn't have his helmet. He just kind of chilling. But it's been a busy day. So, uh, knowing that we got coach's corner and knowing that Bill Beanbow has been a constant and consistent early arriver, Josh, we got to hustle here. So you ready to get after it? I'm ready. Giddy up. Let's go. Top five takeaways from Saturday, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino. I-44, exit 107, 14 table games, uh, daily happy hours, the OTB where you can bet on horse tracks from all across the country. Uh, Newcastle Casino with rewards online right now at newcastlecasino.com. Big story, number five. Number five. Um, answer and adjustment is what I wrote, Josh. Answer and adjustment. The Sooners' defense was solid on Saturday night. But on an eight-play, 75-yard opening drive, I think it's fair to say that there was, what, quite a bit of concern and consternation amongst Sooner Nation? Yes, uh, absolutely. A little frustration. Allow me to give you the drive chart after that eight-play, 75-yard drive for this defense. Well, and By the way, I would say, when I say answer and adjustment, first of all, the answer. The Sooners then went on their own eight-play, 75-yard drive that took just two minutes and 33 seconds. So, when the defense had its struggle, right, when it had its issues, what did the offense go out and do? Executed. And only had one third down, and it was a third down and two. They were – they weren't necessarily all that great on first down (laughs) in this drive, but it was a mix. It was a mix. Found Nick Anderson for a big play. Um Saw the tight end get involved. Saw the big run from Gavin Sawchuck. 
saw the quarterback run game. And by the time maybe some of you got in your seats, it's like, whoa, we're tied. The next drives for the West Virginia offense, three plays, negative two yards, three plays, negative one yard. The muff punt happened. Four plays, three yards. Missed the field goal attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an important point in the game. Yep. Four plays, eight yards. Three plays, five yards. Before they finally broke through at the end of the first half and had the, what, the uh, eight-play, 74-yard drive. So as we've seen, this defense in spurts. And by the way, the eight-play, 74-yard drive, that was the goal line stand. Right, so they didn't even they didn't even get a chance to to score a touchdown. But to me, answer and adjust. And I love it. And when you had those, let's see, what would that be? Back to back to back to back to back, five straight stops by the defense, Josh. You answered with seventeen points. That didn't happen against UCF early in that game, right? And it did on Saturday. I thought it was huge. Thought it was huge. Answer and adjust. All right. um, Number four. Number four. I thought it was a brilliant game plan on both sides. They – now they lost contain a few times on Garrett Green, and there were some struggles, as Teddy was telling us, on the broadcast with their their run fits at times. But – they weren't afraid to heat up. Green, despite his ability to create and despite his speed, and I don't know, Josh, I I could talk about it all day. I just thought I thought the game plan from Jeff Levy was pretty sensational on Saturday. It was, yeah. I mean, they, as we pointed out earlier, they took away some of the at the line of scrimmage underneath and stuck with what was working. And they attacked, and they attacked, and they attacked. They stayed with what was working. I think that was the the most important thing. 644 yards of total offense. 8.3 yards per play. Five penalties, I think you can live with. Two of those were a result of of the brawl, right? How about West Virginia only being whistled for two penalties on Saturday? That was it, too. So, I just, I, I, again, I don't think anyone's going to come in here and just say, oh, I was wrong, Jeff Levy's the greatest. I don't expect that. I want that. But I feel like if you're going to be hypercritical like we all are, you also have to be able to, you got to be able to give credit whenever credit is due. And I know some of you would be like, well, I'm still not wrong. He still sucks. That's fine. Where was it the last two games? Great question. But I think more than anything else, Josh, that was that was like a Mona Lisa. Um, that was just a that was just a well planned and then in that well executed game plan. You, uh, go ahead. Agreed. And, and you mentioned, you know, Garrett Green. They broke contain maybe one or two times. That his long run of the night was fifteen. That, that was that was, it? That was yeah. That was one of the big takeaways for me is. You look at Donaldson's long rush of the night, 14. Jaheim White, 15. Green, 15. Uh, Nico Marchio, 13. I mean, they didn't let somebody have – for a top 10 
rushing offense nationally. Came in, I believe, top five, right? Number four, I think it was. Mm-hmm. They finished uh, heading out the door. Number seven nationally rushing offense. So, And you didn't have that big 27-yard uh, rush or 37-yard touchdown run or 60-yard touchdown run. Those didn't happen. You know what else I just noticed? West Virginia was 4 of 16 on third down. Really good. That's a winning number. Oh, my gosh. Oklahoma was 8 of 14. And the Sooners, in their seven red zone opportunities, scored seven times. Mm. I just, again, when you win, everything seems great. Brilliant game plan. Big story number four. That was uh, our big takeaway number four was just how well executed and well schemed Oklahoma looked on Saturday. All right, uh, number three takeaway. Number three. We've seen a little bit of this today on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, but I think our our long-awaited off-season, our in-season of discontent has finally come to a conclusion. Josh Homer, do we now have RB1, and is his name Gavin Sawchuck? If, it, if it's not, then he's right you know, neck and neck right there with Tommy Walker, right? Nope. So, yeah, I mean, he's had a breakout month here yeah. now for, for Oklahoma. I mean, this is who we were waiting and expecting to see. Back-to-back uh, century mark games for him. Really was pretty good against KU, just didn't get a lot of work as Tommy Walker kind of stole the show that day, UCF before it was really good. So he's put together a four-game stretch that was what we were expecting. Um. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really, really good. He uh, he looked decisive when he needed to be decisive. He looked patient when he needed to be patient. I, I th- the the term I talked to him post game, and I said it looks like he's he's just gliding out there. And Oklahoma's a team. I thought as a team they ran the ball really well. Uh, Dylan Gabriel ran it 11 times. He finished with almost 100 yards. The jet sweeps were even working. I uh, only got that one carry for Tawi Walker. But, again, uh, I, th- I think we knew that he was pretty dinged up. And I think we have to accept that Javante Barnes might be – he might be done for the season because you even saw Dalen Smothers get a couple of carries out there as a freshman. And I remember the first time I saw Smothers run in – practice i was like oh my gosh in fact i was so impressed with smothers that with everything that people had talked about with hicks i thought i was watching hicks and he got an opportunity only a couple carries but they they wanted the guy step up and be the guy better late than never 22 carries 138 yards i think he lost a couple so maybe like 135 and finished with uh, 6.1 yards per carry when Tawi gets healthy, which uh, he was moving around okay, but you could still see there was a little hitch in the giddy-up. So you add him to the mix, maybe back to 100% by the TCU game and hopefully the Big 12 title game and the bowl game, that's that's a nice little one-two punch if Gavin can keep cruising like he is. But to kind of like one thing that fans have complained about, Josh, I thought he looked – he seemed like a guy that the more more you fed him, the more opportunities he got, the more comfortable he was. Which – is a fair critique to have had in general in regards to did he just need that sooner in the season, right? But whatever, it's working now, and that's a great sight. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, anything else you want to add on the running game? Oh, it was good to see. Quarterback run game, uh, obviously not as explosive, but was effective with the amount of times that Gabriel found the end zone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, number two. Number two. Josh Helmer. Did you have any idea how dinged up Oklahoma was whenever they took the field on Saturday night? Not really, no. I I absolutely, absolutely, in my opinion, had I, I heard the Tyler Guyton buzz start midweek, but I didn't know. I had no idea about what Desan McCullough was going through, and I had no idea either that uh, Gentry Williams wouldn't be able to go. We'll, we'll see about those. And then Coach Beanbow's here, so let me hit big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Um, the goal line stand, man. The goal line stand. How about that? Brent Venable says that's what he wants his team to be about, and I thought it was one of the coolest moments in the game on Saturday. The goal line defense, and everyone was involved in making a big play. So it was very cool to see. OU's been very, very good. For, very good. You know, obviously you say for whatever reason it's because of Brent Venables. But, yeah, they've been good in those situations. All right, Josh and uh, Connor will take you the rest of the way with their text. I'm going to go tape Coach's Corner. See you back on a Tuesday. But your text coming up next, Josh. Have a great day. You too, Let's my friend. show on the ref. See you guys tomorrow. And it is a victory Monday. Much better. Ah, much better. Coming in here to studio, feeling good about uh, the Sooners' prospects for the uh, future. It's it's restored. Maybe not entirely, right? Maybe uh, still some complaints and frustrations, understandably, with uh, back-to-back losses the weeks prior at Kansas, at Oklahoma State. But that that was the Oklahoma we thought we knew. That was the Oklahoma we thought we knew that showed up versus West Virginia on Saturday night. And it was an awesome night inside the Palace on the Prairie. We're back. It is the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. Hour number three presented by Moppin Roofing. Moppin Roofing and Construction. They've got you covered, Oklahoma. Give Bob Moppin and his crew a call. 405-703-3843. Moppin Roofing. They're a full-service company, family-owned and operated. They've got over 35 years. That's a lot. Over 35 years of experience insurance specialists that can help with fire and flood remediation work. They're fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Mop and roofing. Give them a call again, 405-703-3843. I say good morning to Mr. Connor Pasby. Connor, uh, how we doing today? Pretty good, Josh. It was a great weekend. Obviously, an OU victory. That was just uh, so fun to watch, so fun for the offense to click like it did. And, yeah, you, you can't ask for a better Saturday. Uh, under the lights at the Palace. It was pretty awesome. So there will naturally be some uh, what happened versus Kansas versus Oklahoma State. Why – why did that Oklahoma not show up there? But let's live in the moment, right? Let's glass half full this thing. I thought the the large prevailing takeaway for Oklahoma 
both sides of the football. It was the most complete performance, no doubt, for OU. Not their best win. Their, their best win is still, obviously, the Cotton Bowl over Texas. But it was their most complete performance this season. I'll entertain Iowa State, right? That would be the, the other game. But getting back home into uh, Memorial Stadium was, I think, key for this team. And they went out. They executed. They dominated. And do I feel all of their problems are fixed and magically everything's forgiven? No, I don't feel that way. But my optimism has been restored a little bit for uh, Oklahoma. It has coming out of a dominant performance versus West Virginia. I feel like now, though OU has not been a great away-from-home team, in particular on the road, the Cotton Bowl, they played great, right? Uh, Not perfect, but by and large, I would grade it as a a great performance when you go beat that Texas team in the Cotton Bowl. But uh, at Cincinnati, at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, this has not been a great Oklahoma road team. It hasn't. I think the situation is ripe for you based on what you did this week and based on kind of who we think BYU's been the last several weeks. You ought to be able to go down to Provo and just roll the thing. Now, Oklahoma, again, has not really proven itself to be this sensational road team. And that's a a crowd that uh, will be excited for Oklahoma coming in and the chance to Get to beat uh, OU, right? But uh, I do think this sets Oklahoma up for the finish that I thought we were going to see from Oklahoma even after the losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State. I was saying all last week, Connor, that to me, I needed to see it, but I I did think Oklahoma would win each of its final three games. And if you could do that, and who knows what the other tumbling dominoes around you look like you were going to have still a chance to go win play for and potentially win a big 12 championship but first things first right handle your own beat west virginia beat byu and and then obviously take care of biz versus tcu on black friday and this could be a season to feel good about especially if a couple of things happened the way that they happened versus west virginia which was you go out and you Win in the fashion they want. I mean, you can't feel that upset about anything we watched because it was, again, a start-to-finish, for the most part, dominant victory over West Virginia. Yeah, Josh, and now you just want to see this team put it together for back-to-back weeks. I mean, that was by far the best offensive performance that Oklahoma has had uh, all season long, and now you look back and you're like, hey, where was that offense in those two losses? But, man, they put up over 600 yards, Dylan Gabriel – uh, eight total touchdowns. Man, they were just attacking through the air. And, uh, man, they attacked from the get-go, and they didn't look back. So now you just want to see this Oklahoma team uh, do this to finish out the regular season and see if you can get some help and get to the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, it sounds like Texas losing at Iowa State is the, okay, if that happens, then game on, win two and you're in. Well, and- then, of course, yeah, Houston. I mean, you're going to be a big Houston fan. Yeah, you want Houston to beat Oklahoma State would be, uh, you know, a nice roadblock removed. Do we do we have a convenient? Here's the Big Twelve scenarios laid out in front of us. Well, there's a lot of scenarios, Josh. You can pick and choose. There's a few ones that don't really make sense. I mean, if everybody wins out and you get uh, Cincinnati to somehow beat Kansas at home, 
then that helps Oklahoma to get in. So there's some different scenarios that you can look at. And the bottom line for OU is you got to first things first. You got to win out. Yeah. Got to win out. Here's uh, what 24-7 sports has. Path to the Big 12 championship. Win out. Texas wins out. Oklahoma State loses once. But uh, there's, there's, you know, the, the Texas path, I think, is, is easier if they just lose at Iowa State, right? Yeah, that, that helps. But, hey, you know, look, take care of your own and go be good at BYU, which you, you should. I mean, this is a BYU team that, need I tell you, West Virginia just smacked a couple of weeks ago. TCU, some signs of life a little bit versus Texas, but I still don't think that's a very good TCU team, and the record says as much. And, oh, by the way, that's at home, your final ever Big 12 regular season game. Yeah, and you also had Iowa State just run through BYU. BYU is a team that's really been struggling, and honestly, all the new additions of the Big 12, including Cincinnati, who's 3-7, and seven, they just have not been playing very good football. So you feel good about Oklahoma uh, going down there and taking care of business and for sure putting up a, a bunch of points. From the 785, why do you think KU needs to lose again? They have three losses now. I, I will say to the 785, I, I'm delving in as we speak, trying to make sense of all these Big 12 championship tiebreaker scenarios for OU. And I know Plank mentioned that earlier this morning. So without living in a world of this being the definitive, definitive thought here I I think Plank probably knew that once it gets to the tiebreak scenario that uh, that that would swing the tiebreak in Oklahoma's direction yeah in somehow some way that uh, the common opponents piece of it that would that would help Oklahoma but I don't know I don't know why it is I just know that Plank said you need uh you need K-State to beat Kansas and then lose to Cincinnati and now you look back to Saturday the Oklahoma State loss to UCF has really hurt the pokes and I don't think they realized that once that game ended because if you dive back and you look at some of these scenarios it doesn't really help Oklahoma State much yeah it's again first things first you have to give yourself a chance by oh, yeah. winning oh, yeah. at BYU and taking care of business versus TCU which I think Oklahoma is going to do if that Oklahoma that showed up this past weekend shows up these next two games they'll win by three scores in both games minimum it was fun watching that offense and Josh you get the tight end involved how about Stogner the get back game I mean he had a touchdown uh, what do you have over seven or close to 70 yards receiving four grabs yeah that was pretty cool to see an OU tight end finally get involved in the offense and he ran well you know there's been uh, other moments this season where it kind of looked to me like Stogner maybe was shifted down a gear he looked full speed catching and running the football on Saturday so that that was a nice sight for someone that uh, I don't think the fan base wanted to be in this camp but was sort of of the mindset that okay maybe that ship has sailed for Stogner of, of no real fault of his own beyond the injuries that was a nice convincing night the other way for Austin Stogner, which I think he he makes himself a pretty likable guy for the fan base, right? He's it's still a nice story leaving and coming back and everything. And uh, if he has a nice finish to the season, would be uh, would be a, a good way to close it. So here's what I'm curious about the rest of the way. I know we're kicking around. Folks are suggesting the Big Twelve 
championship game scenarios for Oklahoma. Here's what I want to know from the the ref army before we call it a day here, at least for our, our portion of it on the Plank Show. What were a couple of the most encouraging things for you, uh, the fan base, what were a couple of the most encouraging things from Oklahoma against West Virginia? There's a lot to pick from, a lot to sort through, but uh, what for you were the most encouraging items that we saw from Oklahoma? Again, in a, a romp over West Virginia. That, who I think is the toughest team left or was going into this thing, these final three games on the schedule for OU. I said as much last week. And Oklahoma, well, they, they gave them a quick exit out of town. And uh, West Virginia, by the way, did start that bus very quickly. They did. It was like record time, Connor. I kid you not. I said this earlier this morning, but I, I – uh, we took like one, hey, it was great being at the football game with a family photo and got out of the stadium, and sure enough, here come the West Virginia buses, the, the police right there uh, uh, by uh, Lindsay and everything. All right, everybody, get off the road. Here comes West Virginia. It was amazing. It was like record time out of the stadium. They're like, why, why couldn't we play this Oklahoma team that was literally just struggling offensively these past two weeks? Instead, we get the Oklahoma team that's honestly week one through six. Yeah, uh, they got good Oklahoma showed up inside the palace on the prairie. So let's hit some of your responses. What what you were most encouraged by? Oklahoma routes West Virginia. We'll get to that next, plus a phone call or two if you want to jump in as well. Riverwind Casino jackpot line, that's all yours. 405-329-9000. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, let's heat it up next. 405-651-3439. Josh and Connor back with you after this. Moppin' Roofing. They present our number three of the Plank Show. This, uh, of course, it's the home of Sooner fans. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. The text line, it be heating up. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. All right, let's go to the 785. The uh, question, by the way, before the break, to get everybody up to speed in case you just dialed back into us here. What was the most encouraging item or a couple of items that you saw from Oklahoma's win over West Virginia? Because, hey, look, we all went through it. A couple of not-so-very-fun weeks, right, to be a Sooner fan supporter. And yet, uh, here we are, the other side of it, and Oklahoma, dominant victory over West Virginia. So what did we like? From the 785, run and the vertical passing game. That's right. I mean, that's probably the best game you've seen of Gavin Salchuk. And you see what he can do when he gets upfield and he can use his speed on the outside. And honestly, everything was downfield for the OU passing game, which was great to see. Uh, Nick Anderson, of course, Drake Stoops, the big day, 164 yards, uh, three touchdowns. You saw Jaden Gibson catch a big pass in the end zone. So, yeah, everything was downfield for OU. Fitty from UConn, which, of course, is uh, a tremendous call name there 972 uh out of the 972 confidence and some swagger we did we saw a confident Oklahoma team and for whatever reason we really didn't see that I don't think in Lawrence or Stillwater not that it was some broken Oklahoma I mean they had chances to win both games but that was a ticked off Oklahoma on Saturday it was an Oklahoma with a chip on its shoulder, and we didn't see that from Oklahoma again versus 
either Kansas or Oklahoma State for whatever reason. The the OU team that had the chip on its shoulder that wanted to make a statement versus Texas in the Cotton Bowl, we hadn't seen it since until this past weekend, but we, we did see it against West Virginia, and that is a, a great sign going forward. From the 5-8-0, defensive stops. Never had that under Mule Show. Yeah, you gave up some big plays running the football for West Virginia, but at the end you were able to get off the field. And, Josh, once again, we saw a goal line stand for this Oklahoma defense, which was pretty awesome to see. Once again, West Virginia getting to, what, the two- or one-yard line. OU stops them four times and gets the ball back. You know, it is – if you could categorize Oklahoma's improvement from last season to this – and you needed just some snapshot from this year that best encompasses how this team has improved, it's that. It's the defensive goal line moments for Oklahoma. They are so obviously vastly improved there. It's the most encouraging piece for Oklahoma, I would say, last year to this. There's plenty of things they still need to improve. Close games, okay, up until KU, Oklahoma State, they were clearly better there, but they've regressed with those couple of losses. But one thing that has remained throughout the duration of this season is OU in those situations where it's easy to kind of break and let somebody into the end zone, even when they've given up touchdowns, for the most part, they are scrapping. They are fighting at the goal line. And on many an occasion, they're winning. And that is obviously symbolic or representative of your head coach. And that, my friend, uh, I would say is a good sign going forward for Oklahoma. Big picture view. Yeah, if you go back to last year, even, I mean, four years back, that's this Oklahoma team has probably given up a touchdown every time an opponent gets, honestly, within the 20, within the 10 for sure. Now you're starting to see some toughness up front on that front seven. I see Kip Lewis's name mentioned from uh, Large William. Yeah, Kip Lewis has been... Ever since he's been getting some playing time, man, he's taking advantage of it. Man, you guys are killing it. There's so many here. I'll just start rifling through. Lost City sooner. Lebby just let it all hang out. They didn't coach and play tight in big moments in the game. Yeah, and you never saw the offense get stagnant. They put their foot uh, on the gas from the get-go. And mentioned earlier, they just did not look back. I mean, the offense just kept clicking for all four quarters, and that's what you've been waiting for uh, for this Oklahoma offense. When given the opportunity, OU's offense put their foot on their throats. That's out of the 405. Uh, similar thought, right? It's opportunity to go take control of the football game, and OU did it. And Yeah, I mean, a couple of games prior, there were opportunities offensively to either win the game or in that third quarter to take control of the Oklahoma State game. The offense couldn't deliver. This one, second quarter, it was a, it was a landslide. They yeah. took advantage of the defensive stops. Uh, Large William, yeah, you mentioned that. Kip Lewis making big plays. Arizona Brooks, I liked DG making earlier decisions, whether it was getting the football out of his hands or deciding to run when the coverage was there. Yeah, he was excellent. I mean, wasn't much time sitting back there and just forcing throws or anything. I mean, he was making smart decisions and obviously played his best football game in an Oklahoma uniform. And running the football, that's going back to his last two weeks in the losses uh, we didn't see that, the DG running game, but you saw it on Saturday night. UConn Bob says, out of the 405, the SEC chant. After that, it was twofold that helped Dylan, the run game and the tight end. So you got you got the SEC chant, what was it, 
or I'm sure it was multiple times, but there was one. It the started. Pass it started after the the pass interference call. No, 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 no. It started after the Drake Stoops unsportsmanlike spike in the football. Let's let's table that for our way out the door. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. I well teaser for you. I loved it. I thought it was great. It, taking ownership of things uh, for this fan base. It was. I tweeted that it was almost like the whole night was sort of like a spiritual, symbolic rebirth, and, and that was part of it. But we'll, we'll get that before we head out the door. Uh, 405 tight end uh, use is my big one. We've really been missing that tight end fullback presence. Yeah, Stogner's just, honestly, throughout the whole season, it's mainly just been blocking as a tight end, but now he finally gets involved uh, in the passing game. That's kind of the old Stogner that we've seen uh, in an Oklahoma uniform. Uh, Burley Boomer, as a fan, saw Chuck and DG seeing Stutz back, Stog, and the Yak. But the fans, SEC, <laughs> the chance. We're definitely SEC ready, baby. D- Danny Stutzman's the big one. If we're just talking about confidence, when you have him back, a vocal leader for your defense, that changes a whole lot for your team, and it made a big difference on Saturday. I mean, right away, it felt like Danny Stutzman got <laughs> like five tackles on the first uh, two drives defensively. Sooner Soldier, we finally stuck with one running back and didn't take him out when he was doing good. Uh, the 405, encouraged by the fact that we didn't, uh, or excuse me, sorry 405, encouraged by the fact that we played complimentary football and didn't make a bunch of self-inflicted mistakes. Yeah, didn't make any mistakes at all. I mean, you had the one, the uh, what was it, on the punt with Gavin Freeman. You had the block that kind of went into him and he bobbled the football. West Virginia gets it back, but outside of that, you were uh, you were playing complimentary football, and you were putting it all together. Linebacker play, says Brandon from the 405. All four played well while in the game. Cannick came in in the second half, played well. Kobe should have had his first pick. Lewis and Stutzman should start the rest of the season. Yeah, Kobe McKenzie looked good. Danny and Kip Lewis. I mean, Kip Lewis is just a, he's a fearless linebacker, and he'll come down and uh, hit you. He made some big plays on the goal line stand. Sam in T-Town. Sam in Tulsa. Most encouraged by Lebby embracing the fact that he needs to throw the football downfield in order to have success. Thank you. No more yes. sideways plays, please. Nothing sideways. Everything was downfield for OU, and the big plays were finally hitting. You had a few chances in the Bedlam game uh, to connect on some deep balls, but, man, everything was clicking. Nick Anderson, uh, Drake Stoops, of course, the big guy, Jaden Gibson, getting involved, too. A bunch of folks, again, same same line of thinking, Sooner James in Wisconsin. Offense getting vertical and scoring at will and seeing the defense get stops. Also nice to score and pull away instead of scoring and then beating ourselves to keep inferior opponents in the game. Let's see, uh, Eric in Illinois. Adjustments on offensive play calling. Levy didn't get stubborn and changed what he was doing. I can respect that. And that's that's no small thing. Right, you're kind of under the gun. Fan base has been pretty vocal, and look, I, I know coaches and players. Uh, nah, we we don't listen to any of that. Let me tell you, they they hear it. Okay, now how much they listen to it is up for debate. But you don't just magically hit the off button and hear none of it. You hear some of it, and Lebby heard some of it, I'm sure. But you know what? He responded, and whether it was from his head football coach or from his own self evaluation, he he was better. This week, he much better. And no cute play calling, no wildcat formations. I mean, everything, he didn't go away uh, from the running game. Uh, Gavin Solchuk played excellent, by far the best game that Gavin Solchuk has had back there running the football. Man, we've got so much more. You guys are crushing it on the – 
text line. We got to take one final TO, the SEC, SEC chant. Let's, uh, let's discuss that next, plus a couple of your final thoughts on what you were encouraged by as Oklahoma spanks the Mountaineers. We'll see you later, West Virginia. One final time. We're back next. Back with you. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. So happy to be hanging out with all of you. The question of this final hour, what were you most encouraged by? Oklahoma versus West Virginia. And just to do our due diligence as we make our way out the door. And uh, everybody that was kind enough to respond to us, let's zip through these responses on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Text line, that's 405-651-3439. Shark says, ability to run the ball consistently. Gavin Sawchuk, nice little day, Connor. Yeah, he did have a good day. That's what we've been waiting for, for Gavin Sawchuk to finally see the uh, speed that he has on the field. So great job, especially uh, up front running the football. The offensive line, I mean, led by Kevin Tower before he got uh, ejected in the ball game. Andrew Rain was solid up front at center. So, yeah, all around the, the running game was uh, pretty spectacular Saturday night. The 5-1-2, using the middle of the field in the passing game in the tight end. LaDonna from Lubbock, hanging half a hundred, and the goal line stand. Nine one eight says, uh, having Peyton Bowen, and especially Danny Stutzman makes a huge difference in terms of that defensive confidence. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, obviously with Stutzman, but yeah, you, you hit on it. I mean, Bowen and all of those guys, getting them back is gigantic. Out of Wisconsin, the uh, 715, I like the Drake Stoops big you-know-what energy. Boomer! He had the spike, too, by Drake Stoops. Man, he was fired up. But, yeah, three touchdowns on the day for uh, Drake Stoops. And I mentioned it Saturday in the postgame show, but, man, Drake Stoops is becoming one of the most beloved Sooners of all time. I mean, the plan was for, what, Drake Stoops to come in. It was a nice story. He's going to be on the team, walk on, and now he's making such a huge impact offensively. Mr. Sports, you know him uh, from the phone lines he texted in today. I can sum it up very easy. The OU team returned back to what they can do every week and especially offensively that's offense has been taking a huge uh some heat these past two weeks but man they were connecting on all cylinders saturday and the defense got you stops uh, gave up some plays to west virginia in the running game but most importantly you got stops when you needed it the most early on in the game sooner todd we had a tight end that showed up brian and cameron nice to see and opposing defense have to account for Stogner. 918. Use of Stogner was a good thing. Uh, 405. No penalties on the coaches. Along with BV, how much do you think Skalski has helped with our elevated linebacker play in depth? That's out of the 580. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't forget about that. I don't think there's any question that it's been, uh, and I'm sure Brent, if asked, and has, and, and would say again that he's been. Uh, a big-time help right there. Situational play calling was light years better. Postal sooner. It was nice to see us go one game without Guyton getting a false start because he didn't play. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a good one. For, yeah, we're, we're used to seeing a Tyler Guyton false start, but did I'm trying to go back. How many false starts did Oklahoma have on the offensive line? I don't know. I, I don't have the uh, numbers in front of me. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't see many. 
Uh, two more or a couple more here. Jet sweep worked because they opened up going down the field from the 405. The 918, multiple downfield passes were fakes to the bubble. We'll have to do some bubbles to keep that open. And then KA in BA extending the lead so the refs' terrible calls can't cost you the game. And uh, one final one from Softball Steve. Our O-line looks mean, real mean, and they played like it. Yeah, they took care of business up front, especially when they got near the goal line. <laughs> After that, uh, it was on the extra point where Caveman Tower kept pushing the guy that hit Stoops. Uh, it was just awesome to see the offensive line play like that. Okay, so uh, yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was, my friend. Our Plank Show final thoughts brought to us by Primrose Funeral Service in Norman. With 80 years of service, their sincere commitment is to make things a little bit easier for you and your family. Primrose Funeral Service can be reached, 405-321-6000, or visit them online at primrosefuneralservice.com. From the 405, the SEC chant was sarcasm, and that's the only way Suter fans should ever engage in it. Saturday, it was a dig at the terrible Big 12 officiating, and it was perfectly timed. When OU beats an unbeatable SEC foe, it might be appropriate, but only to mock the SEC establishment and their belief that a lowly Big 12 school can't compete. Ding, ding, ding. That, that was it. It was the SEC chant, perfectly timed. Generally speaking, don't necessarily need it at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. But to me, it was a, well, it was an obvious dig at the Big 12 officiating crews that, hey, we're on to your little uh, scheme out there, Big 12 officials, and enough is enough. And yes, we will be heading to the SEC. And no, uh, we won't miss you. And yes, the door can hit you on the way out. And then, oh, by the way, to everybody else, we're going to go ahead and take ownership of this SEC move. Enough of you chanting at us. We're going to go ahead and chant it ourselves. Hey, uh, Connor, have a wonderful day. Appreciate you, buddy. That's it for us. Until tomorrow, everybody be good. We'll do it again. For Plank, I'm Josh. So long, everybody. That's